Welcome to the fourth episode of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast. Last episode, we watched um, Donovan Dijak vs Keith Lee from Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. This week, we went over to Lucha Underground, where we watched Prince Puma vs Johnny Mundo all night long. So, let's jump right into things. Laura, what were your overall thoughts on the match? Uh, it started out really strong for me, and I was like, oh, this might be the thing I like the most. And then the the longer it went on, just a few things happened that just really, like, turned my thoughts a bit sour on it. And I can go into detail on what they were later. But, like, it peaked really early and then just kind of went downhill. But part of why I was so immediately uh, drawn into it and willing to give it a bit more of a chance than maybe I gave some of the others... I actually know who Johnny Mundo is because he was one of my favorite contestants on last season of Survivor. And Survivor is like the only show I still watch on like traditional television and not on a digital like uh, content subscription service. And he was one of my favorite players. He got pretty far. I thought he should have won. So I was like, oh, I know this guy. And I was already kind of a little bit excited because of that. That wouldn't be his first foray into reality TV show either, because um, WWE used to actually have a reality TV show called um, Tough Enough, I think. I think it was Tough Enough. And he was like a contestant on that, and that was like a reality sort of TV show trying to get like a WWE contract. And he okay. used to be on that. So he's actually done reality TV before. That wouldn't That's be his first funny. reality TV show. Yeah, well, then like as the match kept going, the like. Johnny, like the persona he had for this wrestling match was super different, at least to me, from like his time on Survivor, which I would like to think, like they could both be personas for all I know. I like to think him him playing on Survivor was just actually him. And he did talk a lot about the persona he plays in wrestling. So fully acknowledging that is not his natural like personality and there are large differences. But... I was still just like when he would do some certain things or say things. I was like, no, be the Johnny from Survivor. I like that one. Yeah, in this match, um, you know how we said before about how wrestling has like a heel and a face. Um, you meant to boo the heel. You meant to cheer the face. Like Johnny Mundo was very clearly meant to be like the heel in this yeah. match. Like you're meant to dislike him in this match. Yeah, I wasn't sure until like I'd say maybe like. 20 minutes in and maybe like 20 minutes into their wrestling not what we saw because of course we didn't see the entire unedited like hour they were in the ring but like about a third of the way through the match i could tell oh, okay so he's clearly meant to be the bad guy and i was like no i want him to be the good guy just because i have i'm bringing other references into it but yeah yeah so um going to our little five star rating system that we mm-hmm. totally shamelessly stole <laughs> what rating would you give this match uh i'm trying to think whether i give it a two or a two and a half i'm trying to think what i gave i think i gave the pwg two and a half uh you gave and... that one a two okay that one a two a one but you upgraded right it because of the athleticism of the giant dudes uh then in that case i'll give this one a two and a half because i did like it a little bit more than pwg and part of what i liked uh more about this one i really like the it's the total like overall count of pinfalls and submissions rather than 
you just one person finally gets pinned once and it's over and you're waiting the whole match for it to happen so i really liked that style and i had high hopes for watching it because i was like this might lead to like more more athleticism in the actual wrestling and a little more wrestling and less theatrics because it's about racking up a higher score uh but there was still plenty of theatrics plenty of props plenty of shenanigans in this even despite that so, so with a 2.5 that's the same rating you gave um john cena versus aj styles in the first would you yeah. put these two on the same sort of uh i would think so because like there are some things i liked better about this than the john cena aj but there are some things i liked better about the john cena and aj one than this but like they're probably about the same for me because my biggest problem with both um there are a few of them one of them is they go from looking like they should be on a, a gurney on the way to the hospital borderline comatose to then just pulling out like flips and rollouts and like things out of nowhere and the this one like the where i think the over the top like theatrics came into play was every time they brought in a prop or left the ring i was just like oh god not again and it just got silly like, at least to me. And I clearly am not the type of fan who, like, loves those moments and buys into those moments. At least, like, the John Cena, AJ Styles, there was a lot less of that. Like, their theatrics were just on their their faces and then playing up the, the narrative they were telling with that match. This had got... And then, like, at what point it's literally, like, player three has entered the game when this random-ass dude decides, oh, this person who clearly should win the match because he's been dominating the whole time? No, I want an unfair advantage to make the other dude win just because I like him better. I'm gonna go in here and mess with him and give, basically, Prince Puma the extra point he needs to tie this. And normally I'd be like, it's wrestling, it's like a soap opera, that's a fun plot twist. If it wasn't for the fact that the commentator specifically made a comment, hold on, if I wrote down the exact quote, I'm not sure, but they made some comment about how, um, like, Johnny was cheating, or basically saying something, oh, one, one of them wrote, oh, I'm so glad he cheated to do that. And I'm like, that just bugs me, that mentality. But then other times, they'll give a wrestler, like, they'll shit talk them for doing something. It's like, where where's the acceptable cheating? And where is the, okay, well, that's just, like, scummy. That's immoral. And where do you draw that line? And why is it allowed to happen? Like, I get, from an entertainment standpoint, it definitely adds shock and awe value. But then from the actual, like, wrestling standpoint, it just seems to cheap. If I was Prince Puma, I wouldn't feel like I won that. I'd go home and be like, well... I have a title, but I didn't earn it. Can I say two things on this? Is one, the guy who came in is a guy called um, El Patron, Alberto El Patron. Tequila. And, and if you saw, like, you know, they showed, like, the recap of the last episode before the match began. Yes, I did like that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, there was that bit where someone got thrown through a window by Johnny Mundo? Mm-hmm. That was Alberto El Patron. So that's why he, like, interfered here, because he was getting revenge on Johnny for throwing him through a window. Which, like, I, I gathered, but I'm still just, oh, that bugs me. Yeah. It's one thing to, like, leave the arena and go find props that were totally just around the temple and not clearly put there for you to use later. Like, you know, that's one thing. That still, to me, seems well within the rules of this little universe that you're playing in and living in. But that just seems like... I don't know. It, that 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 was definitely my least favorite moment of the whole match, and just really got to me. And I feel like Puma should feel bad about himself because he doesn't deserve that. And if I was 
Johnny, I'd be pissed. But again, that's what, but that, then I'm like, but that's also probably exactly how they want me to feel and exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. So. Uh, because it's it like stuff like that then sets up potential for rematches in the future because it's like, well, yeah, you won, but with interference. So we should have a fair rematch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. It sets up potential future matches. Yeah. One comment I was going to say on like your point on the commentators where they're like, oh, I, I appreciate him cheating because it's a, it's a war and you should just do whatever it takes to win. There's this idea in wrestling of a heel commentator where basically if you have two commentators, one should talk up the faces and, you know, like, oh, look at him. He's got such spirit. He's trying so hard. And the other should talk up the heels and be like, oh, look, the look at that clever cheating. He's so clever. What great strategy. And I have never, ever understood why that's a thing. See, because I liked that. I've never got it as a, like, because in my mind, the way I view it is you're meant to hate the heels and like the faces. But if one of the commentators is there going, look at how great he is, look at how clever he is, then, like, no, surely the commentators should be telling you how much of an arsehole he is, so you hate him more. (laughs) I literally wrote a specific note saying I like that the commentators disagree in my notes because, like, yeah, in theory, if they've done their job well enough, if you have set up your story and the wrestler plays off his heel persona well. I don't think you need the commentator that much extra help, but what it does do is make sure they don't look like a weak bad guy. So if they want to turn good later, like they've been talked up, like it's basically giving them credibility to still make them seem like a worthy opponent is the way I that would makes see sense. it. That makes sense. Like still saying like, oh yeah, they're cheating, but look, it's clever. Like they're not being yeah. dumb about like, it. Like, like when they the, when they were disagreeing about how when he was trying to run away, he's like, oh, well, you know what? Puma has some gas left in the tank. Johnny's like, I'll just run out the clock because I'm up a point. And was just like playing like a game of tag and like running around the arena. And one of the guys was like, oh, what a dick. Like, oh, that's such a, that's not fair. Like fight like a man, get back in the ring. Those weren't the exact words, but that was the gist. And one guy's like, no, that's a totally valid strategy. I'm the same. I think that's clever. If you're like, you know what? He's not as dead on his feet as I thought. I'm getting pretty tired. There's only so much time left. Why the hell wouldn't you just run around and avoid him? And then if what's-his-face Patron hadn't showed up, it would have been fine. Like, that's genius. But then the fact that that was the moment where I'm like, so you're going to give him crap for doing that but then you're also gonna love when he cheats and does other things and like brings in like a ladder from the side of the fucking building and stuff like that that was where sometimes i loved the commentators in this match sometimes they bugged me yeah i like i've I've never really liked the idea of heel commentators because what ends up happening with me is one i like i say is meant to be a heel i'm meant to dislike him so why are you telling me how great he is and then what he ends up doing is i just end up hating that commentator (laughs) <laughs> because they look like it, like they're talk, talking up the bad guy, so I end up hating them, and then I don't want to listen to someone that I hate. So, like, it just ends up with me disliking that commentator. I'm like, yeah, you support the bad guy, you're a moron, I don't like you. <laughs> well, but, like, in every form of entertainment, there will be people that like the bad guys. Like, for example, this is a very different uh analogy but bear with me like look at the batman fandom i guarantee more people that are into batman like batman villains than batman himself because batman's a weak-ass superhero controversial opinion here but like the villains in that series are so much more complex and interesting and just so much 
more fun to almost cheer for at times. Like, and so, and, and anything, whether it's a movie, a TV show, even, like, a form of inter- sports entertainment like this, a comic book, a video game, like, they're only really strong when the villains are strong and when they're complex and when you ha- when you have at least part of your brain can either empathize see where they're coming from or like in a different scenario you could see yourself supporting them and then particularly in wrestling because like James talks about the ways that in WWE when he was telling me about it the ways they make wrestlers not look weak even when they're losing because you still need all your wrestlers to look strong and look like they're there for a reason they can't just look like pansies next to your other players so to me the commentator is just doing that so that way if the heel ever turns to a face you've kind of started laying some groundwork or you just have people who can get behind them because some people just like to cheer for the bad guys yeah but the thing about the cheering for bad guys using your example of comic books and like batman and joker is like people love the joker despite him being a bad guy it's not like the comic book like the narrator in the comic book is like the Joker just killed a hundred people, but look how cool he was while doing it. Like <laughs> that plan was so clever by the Joker. What a genius! But make sure you hate him, guys. Like th- that's that's not how it works. Like he's a bad guy and a dick, and the comic books make it super clear he's a bad guy and a dick. But people like him anyway. But in this, it's like the comic book telling you how clever and smart the bad guy is. And it's, it's like I, I get what you're saying about like keeping them strong, but I just don't think that should be the commentator's job i think they should look strong because of how they wrestle you know what i mean yeah like i just i don't like when the commentators talk up heelish tactics like if the if the wrestler's been a heel the commentators should be pointing out that they're a dick not that they're awesome and smart and clever yeah maybe the reason i liked it more like i said i was just gonna be cheering for Johnny, the minute I realized where I recognized him from, just because I already used to cheering for him in a different TV show, because I wanted him to win. And that was just based on him. That was before I knew he was a wrestler, because I don't... The whole point of me being on this podcast is I don't watch wrestling. So, I... To me, it also makes it interesting, because if you have two people just, like, agreeing with each other all the time, like, I thought the commentator's conversation was a bit interesting to listen to on the moments where the wrestlers are like lying on the ground, catching their breath, exhausted, or they're injured because they themselves had contrast and they were having like a conversation and disagreeing. So I yeah, found and it I, and interesting. Yeah, and I agreed, I agreed with it in moments. Like, for example, when he was running away is a great moment, right? Because that's not against the rules or anything. That's just a tactic. So I really liked them disagreeing on that and saying like one of them saying, what a coward, and the other saying, no, this is this is really clever. Like, he's, you know, we're running down the clock. He's ahead. He doesn't need to fight. It should be on Puma to bring the fight to him. So I liked it in that context, but I didn't like it when, like, for example, when he put his... Uh, he held onto the ropes while pinning Puma, which is actually just against the rules. And one of them was there going, oh, was yeah. Was that his that's... very first pin? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I wrote a note. That pin happened so fast I missed it because I, I don't know if I was writing a note at the time or I was just a bit confused as the newbie to what I was seeing. But, like, can you go over for me, like, how his first pin happened? Because it just completely, my eyes did not catch it. Um, so the way the first pin, there was the first pin was Prince Puma pinning Mundo, and it was literally just he rolled him up, or, yeah, like, that, surprise yeah. roll up, easy peasy. Yeah, that and one. Then, I, saw, I meant Mundo's yeah. first pin. So yeah. Mundo got a pin back by basically did he did a move near the ropes, and then like did a roll up, and um, 
he rolled him up in such a way that he ended up facing the ropes, and he, like, held on to the ropes to give him extra, like, leverage to hold Puma down. Which, like I say, is against the rules of wrestling. Like, if you're pinning someone, you're not allowed to touch the ropes at all. Because of that, you know, it does give you extra leverage. You know what I mean? Like, you can pull yourself sort of down onto them and hold them down. So it's against the rules. So that one is a much more, like, when he was running away, that was just a style of strategy. So them disagreeing on it makes sense. But when he blatantly actually breaks the rules... And one of the commentators is there going allowed... like, oh, I love him cheating, that's great. Then why is it? Why was he given the point? If it's a, Like, what's the point of the rules? Uh, because the idea is that the ref didn't see it. Because the ref's down, like, he was behind the person's body, counting the pin. So he couldn't see the hands on the ropes. So the commentator saw it, but the referee didn't. So it was loud. Like, so it got he got away with it, basically. But if the ref had seen okay. that, he wouldn't have counted the pin, basically. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, fair. There was so, other like moment- I say, I don't mind it when the commentators argue when it's, like, strategy. But when yeah. it's, like, blatantly just actually cheating and breaking the rules, I don't like the commentators supporting that because you're meant to think that that's a bad thing to do. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Uh, But, yeah, overall... Those are my, like, overall overarching opinions. Yeah. on the match. And yeah, I'll stick with the uh, 2.5 star okay. score. So you may have noticed, uh, but for people listening um, who haven't seen this match, I sort of cheated a bit when I chose this match because I've been avoiding any sort of gimmick match. I've just been doing, <laughs> like, I've been making us watch, at least for the start, we'll get to gimmick matches eventually down the line, but I wanted to try stick to just straight up singles matches for this start bit. You know, so that each promotion, it was like a fair judge. You know what so I mean? So by gimmick, you mean the player three showing up, basically? Uh, no, it was the uh, multiple pinfalls. Oh, it was okay, a match okay. type called Last Man Standing, where it's, you know, you get a time limit and it's whoever gets the most pinfalls in that time yeah. limit. Basically. Okay. It's called Last Man Standing Match. Um, and, but I went for this because of like one particular reason, which was that when we discussed Lucha Underground last episode, I said you might not get a full feeling for like what makes Lucha Underground Lucha Underground unless you watch a full episode. So I managed to find a full episode that is just one match. Yeah. So I managed to I managed to find a way that we can watch just one match from the promotion, like every <laughs> other, but still watch a full episode so you get an idea of you know what makes it different. Yeah, because I was going to say, I really like the, I said this feels the most like an episode of a TV show, like with the, the like recap, the way it was edited, and the way how, like, they're wrestling for an hour, but we don't see the full hour because it cuts away and there's like commercials and stuff. And then I, I just liked the, like, it, it, the other, the other elements of the production value were pretty subtle, like the design of the arena, the lighting. I, I liked the, the in-house band, I thought was a nice yeah, touch. And like a lot of the camera work as well is very TV show-esque with a lot of yeah. like the zooms and close-ups on their facials and like the overhead camera is awesome. I love that overhead camera. I thought the camera work in this was a lot better than the camera work in some WWE matches I've seen bits of because like they, they had, you know, lots of angles and they had jump cuts and stuff but they felt like it always made more sense. It was like there was actual motivation behind it whereas WWE just 
just seems like we just like we're jump cut happy. We just yeah. like to change cameras. I feel that like because obviously like you can't really compare this camera work to New Japan because they're a very different style. New Japan goes for very minimalist camera work. It's like yeah. zoomed out. You can see the whole arena. Yeah. And it barely cuts. It only cuts when they sort of move to a position where the normal camera isn't going to do a good job. Like, it's very minimalist, very, you know, just lets you see what's happening. So it's a different style, so it doesn't really compare, you know. Um, But this you can compare directly to WWE, and I've always felt that Lucha Underground's camera work is what WWE is trying to do and failing miserably at. (laughs) Like, they they have a lot of, like you say, jump cuts and shaky cameras and zooming in and out. All those things that WWE does, but, you know, used sensibly. Yeah. And with good logic behind it. Whereas yeah. WWE, like you say, just does them seemingly at random. Yeah, like, I felt like I could still see what was going on at all times, like, the important bits. But there's also times where you got to see, like, closer up shots of their face to try and see their, like, you know emoting and for example like nice shots of blood on johnny's face i'm very confused about that because at first i was like holy shit he's actually bleeding oh my god but then as the match kept going as the blood got wiped away i was trying to find the origin cut on his face and i couldn't find it it might just have been you know there's like sweat and they're all like running away rubbing all over each other it could have just been obscured but i definitely had a moment of like i wonder if he actually got cut or if it was like fake blood uh, so, do, in wrestling, they rarely ever use fake blood. Um, yeah. But they do sometimes do a thing called... They used to do it all the time WWE, but WWE has banned it since they moved to PG. Uh-huh. Um, called blading. Where, basically, you keep a little razor blade on you somewhere, hidden. And then, when what? you need to bleed, you cut your forehead with a razor blade so that it bleeds. That's... That's a terrible idea. Oh my god. So WWE has banned that, so it Jesus, doesn't happen no in WWE. Shit. But oh it still god. happens in some other promotions. But like but I don't think that's what happened here. It could have been. He could have bladed, you know, like subtly. But he started bleeding just after the guitar shot to the head. So I just think it was a legitimate like when he got took the guitar shot to the head he got caught. Oh that hurt bit. my soul. I was like, Don't hurt the instrument. Why? We don't need to. And so on, I think on this that was legitimate note, blood, to be fair. I think yeah. so. Oh I'm I'm sure it was like it was only a, for a brief second I even entertained the idea of like, is it it's just because it did look just the way it like sat on his face and yeah, the way it, it came it off. It was move. very hard to it was find in the same the... It spread out initially and then just stayed in that same like spread. For the entire match. Yeah. It didn't and move it, at all. It was incredible. And in the spread, I couldn't find where the origin was. Like, there wasn't a clear, like, so usually you cut, there's, you can see where the actual cut is, and then just where the blood has, you know, dripped to or spread from. But anyway, on the note of the guitar, though, that was, I think, ev- the moments I liked the least, other than the third dude just showing up and deciding he was going to intervene. Every time props were involved, like the tables, the ladder, the guitar, the crowbar. Every time they touched an object, I was like, oh god. And I just was immediately, like, any investment I had been starting to get in the match just taken out. And it just, because that's when it just feels so soap opera scripted in a bad way. I'd rather you, like, I'm all for you, like, having melodrama moments and, you know, making the, like, plot twists, like how this one ended and stuff, but do it through the the, the normal wrestling in the ring and, like, what 
they say to each other, like, all that stuff just was, like, the whole, oh, he, the Prince Puma has been borderline comatose and has just been being completely manhandled like a rag doll by Johnny Mundo the whole batch, but all of a sudden he's found strength to make a Jenga tower out of tables just to try and drop him on it. Like... Did you notice, you know this, did you notice that the tables had convenient little circles on the top of them for the legs of the other tables to sit in? To make stacking tables easier. Yeah, exactly. So, and, like, <laughs> That's the all most the wrestling thing ever. I know. The prop stuff is always when just, like, the pre-planned scriptedness of this entertainment, like, is most apparent to me. So every time it happens, I'm just, just like... Just for the record, I've, I've never seen that on tables before. Oh, ever. Really? Not in WWE, not in New Japan, nothing. I've never seen tables with, like, stacking circles on them. Like, I've never seen that before. That really made me laugh. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so my opinion on all this stuff is, like, I actually liked when Johnny went and joined the band because, one, it was, you know, it was like him running away. Like, he was so far ahead that he was just wasting time, basically. Yeah. So I like that. It makes you dislike him. And he cut the promo, which everyone booed him for. You know, it's just him being a dick. Like, it's just him being more and more of a dick. It just makes you hate him more. Which works into like the story of the match because then when he loses, you're like, well, you deserved it. You spent so much of the match just fucking pratting around like a dickhead. Like, I didn't think so, but yeah, in general, <laughs> it's like you know you wasted so much. If you just spent that time just getting more and more pinfalls instead of singing with the band and cutting a promo, maybe you'd have won. Like you deserved lose to lose. <laughs> you utter moron. Um, so I don't mind that. You're like you're meant to want that guy to lose because he's wasting time. So I don't mind him doing that. Um, I also didn't mind the crowbar. I don't know your opinion on this, but, like, the, the thing about the crowbar, it was super obviously fake. Because well, yeah, because if you actually hit him with a crowbar, the with a crowbar yeah, yeah, he's going to be concussed as hell. <laughs> um, so it was obviously fake, but I liked how they just sold it like absolute death. Like, the guy just got three straight pinfalls on Puma after that, and Puma didn't even try fight back. Well, and like the commentators kept making comments after dead. that, like, oh, he should get, Johnny tried to end his career, he needs to blah, blah, and I'm like, okay, calm down, queen of the melodrama, and that's the thing, too, that, that, that was one of the moments where I went from liking the commentators to disliking them, I was like, we all know it's made of, like, rubber, some nonsense, and, like, if he actually was going to do that, he'd be kicked out of, like, Lucha Underground, he wouldn't have a career, because you're messing with their other athletes their other celebrities whatever you want to call them like there's no way and they, they, they kept saying the phrase though like how oh this this is career ending oh I should check if he's concussed oh da, da. i'm like we all know he's fine yeah so i didn't mind the crowbar because like i say it's it required no sort of setup it wasn't like the tables where they had to stack four tables on top of each other and climb up to a raised up plat you know what i mean it was just he picked him up and hit it with him you know what i mean <laughs> it was super quick required no like obvious setup or anything and it got sold like it was like legitimately impactful you know like the guy was laid dead for like 20 solid minutes afterwards like so i didn't mind that compared to how most other promotions use stuff like that like you've probably seen like old wwe chair shots where people would take like seven chair shots to the head and just keep wrestling and it's like what you've just been hit seven times in the head with a steel chair like sell it a bit please like Make it look like it hurts. So I liked that they made the crowbar look impactful. Like, it mattered. You know what I mean? It wasn't just a random weapon shot for the sake of it. 
it actually meant something. It impacted the match. Yeah. I like that. If you're going to use weapons, that's a perfect example of sort of how to do it. You know what I mean? Like, don't just use weapons for the sake of using a weapon and to get a cheap, like, cheer from the crowd. Like, make it matter. You know what I mean? Like, have it yeah. mean something. I like that. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, like the spending forever stacking four tables. Where, especially, I didn't mind Johnny doing it as much because, like I say, he's ahead. He can waste as much time as he wants. He's winning. Yeah. But when the guy who's losing, like, gets the guy down but then spends time stacking tables, it's like, dude, you realise you're behind, right? Yeah. Well, it's because, again, we all clearly, they're, they're a nice little super dramatic ending where the dude forces a tie and then he gets a pin and literally the last 12 seconds was planned all along. He's like, I can waste this time because I'm going to be given the win eventually. Like, that end... Of all the matches we've seen where it's still clear, like, there's, it's pre-thought out for future storytelling and the overall arc of that season, if that's the right word, but, like, who's gonna win? This is one, though, where it felt the most obvious and in a bad way, almost, like, I almost felt insulted. I was like, do you think I, as a viewer, am that stupid to think that that organically is what happened? Like, oh, and I was so bad. Yeah, I can I can see that. Like, um, because that's the thing is, it's one of those things where it's a very tough situation where matches like last man standing matches or the much more com there's a much more common thing called two out of three falls, where it's basically you know it's best out of three pinfalls yeah. or submissions. That's much more common. Yeah. Is one of the things they allow for is sort of more drama and intenseness because it can come down to like the wire you know what i mean like you can be running out of time and know that they're like you know someone needs to get another pinfall or whatever but it is the fine line between like getting that heightened drama and intensity and just you know making it blatantly obvious what's going to happen you know you need to try make it unpredictable while having the drama but you know like like i like say after after the guy came in and interfered to even it up. It became so obvious that Puma was going to win. Like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, okay, we know another pinfall's coming now, like, and we know who's going to get it. Like, Especially, like, it was so obvious because as well, is I think Johnny Mundo just dominated the match too Like, much. too well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it just makes it so obvious, like, he's going to lose. Like, we all know he's going to lose. He's been, he's been winning way too much, like... And, it's like, the the pinfalls he, like, kicked out of or rolled away from are so much harder to get than the one at the very end. And I get, like, you know, he's had an hour of wrestling. Fatigue is a factor here. But I still felt like, because Puma's set took so long, even with, like, 20 seconds left, he's taking his sweet time setting up on the top rope. I'm like, you have so much time to just roll away at snail speed from this, Johnny. But, like, he let it happen because it was planned. And then their, like, match is over, bell rings, they're saying Puma wins, and Johnny has a little, like, small temper tantrum and, like, slams the, the stage and is, like yelling and looking upset. I'm like, what do you mean you're upset? That, that was all your... Mostly your fault. <laughs> um, yeah, so for a bit of context for that is the, the 6.30 senton that Prince Puma did, that's his finishing move. So that's why, although it didn't seem like as uh, impactful as some of the other stuff that had happened, 
that's why he didn't kick out of it because it's his finisher move. So that's one of those moments where wrestling, you just sort of have to buy into it. You know what I mean? Like it's it it, it that's finisher moves are a weird thing about wrestling where, like, for example, like the DDT. DDTs happen in every match ever. They're super common. Everyone does them. What's but a then, DDT like, again? Uh, it's where you grab their head under your arm and slam it into the mat. Oh, okay, okay. There's all sorts of different variants of it. Like, they do one in this match, but it's like a super fancy variant where he like springboards and spins around and then slams his head into the ground. But they're super common. They happen all the time. But then, like, Dean Ambrose from WWE uses a DDT as his finishing move. And it's like, just because it's him doing it and it's his finishing move, we have to believe it's somehow more deadly than any other DDT that happens ever. Like, because he does his finisher DDT, it's somehow more impactful than all the other DDTs he's done up to that point in that match. Like, it's just one of those weird wrestling things where you just sort of have to, like, accept it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, that's just how it is. Like, it makes no sense at all. (laughs) Like, I don't mind it when a wrestler has a finishing move that actually looks... Terror, you know, like looks like it could fucking kill you because then it's believable that that would be a move that ends a match. You know what I mean? Johnny's looked cool. I'm guessing is it the the one they kept calling "End of the World"? Is that his? Yeah, finisher? yeah. Where he spins like a bazillion times. Off yeah, <laughs> that looked cool. Yeah, that so I don't mind like some finishing moves, like but then like like for example in the John Cena one, John Cena's finishing move is you know the AA where he gets you up onto his shoulders, then flips you off and like slams you down. Yeah. That looks like a finisher. Like, it looks like it'd hurt. Like, hell. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, AJ Styles is a jumping forearm strike. He literally just jumps at you and hits you with his forearm. He's like, how many forearms have we seen in this match? Yeah, exactly. And then we're meant to believe that this one forearm is somehow, like, a bazillion times stronger than all of the others. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. I just don't get it. So, yeah, even as a wrestling fan, finishing moves are a weird one for me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm also, yeah. a fa- I'm also of the opinion, and I think this is a popular opinion in wrestling these days, is that back in the old days, matches were more random. Like, people had their signature and finishing sort of moves that they would use to win matches. Yeah. But it was usually only reserved for, like, the big matches. Like, if they had, like, a WrestleMania match, they'd win that one with their finishing move. Mm-hmm. But then, like, if they were wrestling some nobody who they're obviously going to win against, they'd just win it with a normal move. Okay. You know what I mean? Or they'd just win it with a random submission or something. Because that's a nobody. They, they're just going to... They don't need their finisher against them. You know what I mean? Like, so matches had a bit more unpredictability to them. You never knew what move was going to end a match. But there's, like, an opinion these days, which I definitely agree with, that, like, nowadays in wrestling, every match is won with a finisher. Every single match ever is won with a finishing move. So you always know whether something's going to be where the match ends or not. Like, if they hit a big move that's not their finisher... And start pinning the opponent. You know the opponent's going to kick out. 
<laughs> you it, it, you can't buy into that pinfall. You can't yeah. get excited for it. Yeah, that would bug me a lot too. Finisher. Like, so I, I hate the sort of like over reliance on finishing moves in wrestling, which is one thing I sort of liked about this as a refreshing change. Is although the last pinfall was done with a finishing move, and one of Johnny Mundo's was done with a finishing move, the rest weren't. Because there were multiple pins, you didn't know when they were going to come. You didn't know what move was going to be a pitfall or not. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the biggest positives about this match for me was that just style in general and that there was going to be multiple pinfalls. So like you said, the whole match was like you were kind of invested in the same way that you are towards the end of like the other matches we just watched where we're like oh it's been going on for a while now so the the ending is going to happen soon whereas now it's like they could be pinned at any time so i was definitely more like i was probably paying a bit more attention to be honest yeah and and it's also like um another problem with the finisher spam that happens these days is that now, because wrestling promoters now know that people won't buy into a pinfall unless it's a finisher, so what they've started doing is just having people kick out of each other's finishers, which then makes the finishers look shit as well. <laughs> and it's like, no, this is not the solution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God damn it. Just have people start winning matches with things that aren't finishers and solve it that way. Don't, like, start making the finishers also look shit. Like, ugh. That's a real pet peeve of mine in modern wrestling is just that do like the over reliance on finishing moves. And it was not like say it was one of the upsides of this match was that it wasn't just finishing moves that got the pin. Like you actually never knew when a pinfall was gonna come and that was a refreshing change. You weren't just like like if someone did a roll up, you weren't like, Nah, I ain't his finishing move. This ain't gonna be the pinfall. It actually was a pinfall. Like the guy actually got pinned by a random roll up. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, one more thing I wrote every time it happened. I was like, oh God, not this again. The crowd seemed to chant, holy shit, holy shit, a lot. Like the other times it's come up, they did it like once during a match. They did it like three or four times during this match. And I was like, we can't come up with anything more original, anything more exciting or relevant. Come on. (laughs) So yeah, wrestling, so wrestling crowds have set chants that they do. Like obviously sometimes they'll have match specific chance like for example so i don't know if you picked up on it but um with in from the recap and his persona in this match to me i could pick up on the idea that johnny mundo had very recently turned heel like you know like when he threw alberto Patron through that window that was like when he turned to a bad guy and this was like one of his first matches as a bad guy and the crowd was chanting johnny zero Johnny Zero. Yeah, I heard that one. <laughs> that that one made me, laugh. made me laugh. Yeah. So sometimes they'll have like you know situation specific chants like that one. You know it's Johnny Zero because he's just turned to be yeah. a bad guy and he's called Johnny Mundo. Johnny Zero. Yeah. But um, but then other times there are some like set chants that basically no matter what promotion you go to you will hear, which is, holy shit, this is awesome, fight forever. <laughs> like you know, there's just there are some just set like wrestling fan chants. You know what I mean? I yeah, and I get that. Like I'm sure every like sport or anything has like for example, if you go to a um like whenever mom watches like Raptors games basketball and there's the the defense cheer 
that happens and there's like a whole bunch of cheers in like football and baseball whatever but they at least seemed a bit more I don't know, just still a bit more relevant, a bit more specific. Like, a little more thought went into them than just, holy shit. It's I'm like, like uh, you it, can I say that know, anywhere at any time. It's like in soccer, uh, using the American term, because I imagine most of our audience is American. Um, is, like, the ole chants in soccer. is like, you know, the ole, 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 ole. It's like, it yeah. doesn't matter what team you go to see, you're going to hear that chant at some point. In <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's not how, like, the whole shit is. It's like, it don't matter who you go, which two wrestlers you go see and in which promotion, at some point, you're going to hear that chant. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that, again, makes sense. It's just, I don't know, for some reason that just seems like such a cop-out chant of all the things to have. And so, like, weirdly generic. Which Which is better? Holy shit or this is awesome? This is awesome, at least, sounds a little more fun. At least it's a bit more positive and PG, so I guess it's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, but like, on the, you know, it's more family-friendly. Although, um, so, if you've never, like, if anyone who's listening has never been to an actual wrestling event, I would highly recommend going to one. Because, like, wrestling is much, much, much more enjoyable in person than it ever is watching it on TV. Because the atmosphere in those buildings is incredible. Like, getting involved in all the chat fan chants, starting your own and all that, it's just so much fun. You know what I mean? It's really, really enjoyable to just get in there, get chanting along with the crowd and stuff like that. And just actually watching it just... It, it seems so much more impressive in person than it does on camera. Yeah. Well, I'm sure seeing some of those, like, um, some of the, like, highlights in terms of, like, the physical moves in this match for me, if I can find my my notes. Um, when they were only around, like, two minutes left, there was some way that Puma grabbed Johnny and he did some sort of, like, just incredibly fluid motion, like, flipped out of it and then, like, reversed around and all of a sudden he was holding Puma and that looked pretty cool. Um, the first, when we saw him do the end of the world thing, I'd never seen him do that before. So I was like, that's pretty impressive. And the first time they spent significant time outside of the ring and in like the, what's the word for the space around it? Like the gutter alley? I don't know. I am not sure. Whatever it is. The, the outside space immediately around like where there'd be a moat if the ring was a castle. Uh, they both did some pretty cool like flips either over, off, or like through the ropes to get out there which was pretty cool and very impressive. And especially, I thought, of the two, Johnny seemed a little bit more, his moves were a little bit more, like, finessed, and he would do them so fast, and, like, with, like, they were graceful, but still, like, in a very, like, macho, masculine way, which is kind of cool. But Puma, he would do moves sometimes where I could see where he gets his name from. Like, when he would leap, whenever he was in the air, he had kind of had his hands out, like, almost like I could see, like, claws on his hands. And he did look kind of this, like, like a jungle cat pouncing at times. Like, there would be brief flashes where he kind of captured that vibe. And I was like, I get it now. All right. I've got a question for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you recognize who Prince Puma was? No, he's wearing a mask. It's Ricochet. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes... Okay, that makes sense now for why he just, like, freaking leaps through yeah, the air. Yeah, so goddamn off like... <laughs> Oh, no way! 
Ricochet. So is this before he became Ricochet or uh, after? No, no, or does he was, do both? He does both. It's um well he doesn't anymore now that he's signed with WWE because once you're in WWE you don't do anything. Um, <laughs> he is just Ricochet. Um, but yeah, when he worked for the Indies, he was both Ricochet and Prince Pume at the same time. It's just that Lucha Underground gave a lot of people different sort of names and stuff because, like I say, it didn't. It wanted to be like an actual sort of yeah TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, but at at this match, so he had yet to be WWE's Ricochet, but Johnny has left WWE at this point because uh, it didn't. Yeah, Johnny Mundo was in wwe but not like he was never a massive massive star in wwe he was always sort of he wasn't like low tier he wasn't low on the card he was always like mid cards he was battling for like the intercontinental title and stuff like that you know the sort of mid tier belts but he was never like a world champion or anything like that yeah because he talked about it in survivor he talked about why he made the move to Mm -hmm. like lucha underground and mexican wrestling and like other things i can't remember it now and obviously at the time i wasn't paying that much attention because i didn't think it'd be relevant to my life but um he did talk about why he felt that this wrestling or like that move suited him more and also he said he he i think he could get bigger if i'm remembering correctly it's like he could get higher profile roles because in that type of wrestling they love for like the big dumb american to be the heel like he said yeah yeah because of course he's and, not and, you know and the Mexican. thing about it as well is that um he's never necessarily been he's always been a great wrestler and insanely athletic for like how big he is because his his figure is insane oh yeah like, he looks i saw like it on an, survivor he looks like an action figure he legitimately <laughs> he looks like an action figure like he doesn't it, look real it oh. was even funnier on Survivor. He's next to all these emaciated, like, been left on an island for whatever. And he still, you know, is, like, losing weight a little <laughs> bit. But the muscle still is pretty solid. Yeah. And they're doing physical competition. So he's next to all these, like, skinny walking skeletons. And he's there looking like a superhero. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um. So he's always had the right figure. He's always, you know, been, like, a great athlete. He's always been a great wrestler. But where he's always been a bit lacking in most people's eyes is, like, as a promo. Like, he's never really been sort of the best promo and had the best, like, charisma and stuff. And he's obviously got better at that since he left WWE. He's worked on it. But the thing about it is, one reason he'll have left WWE and gone to, like, the Indies and stuff is that WWE really highly values promos and charisma. More so than anywhere else. And they don't value wrestling ability as much to be honest. Like, they just don't. Like, some of their top wrestlers just aren't actually very, like, very good wrestlers. Yep. But, you know, they are amazing promos. Like, the classic example is in the women's division is there's a wrestler called Alexa Bliss who's okay. really, she's not the best wrestler in the world. She's not <laughs> bad by any means, but she's not, you know, great. Yeah. But she is, one of, she has some of the best character work and promos ever. Like, she's amazing at character work she's just a great character so wwe pushes her like crazy you know what i mean but in the indies she'd struggle more because they value wrestling ability more yeah for so sure. that's why i like one of the reasons johnny mundo like sort of thrives a lot better on the indie scene than he ever did in wwe's because his wrestling ability and talent shines and he's like not as great promos aren't as big a factor yeah, because even on Survivor, he was a little bit more soft-spoken. And, like, it, whenever they're doing their 
confessionals or solo talk time to camera. It shows their name and their profession. So it'd be like, so it's a lawyer, so it's a bartender. So it's like Johnny Mundo, professional wrestler. And so I expected him to be a bit more like bombastic or a bit more arrogant bit of an asshole and he was actually it took a long time for him to even really get much camera time in survivor even though he is already probably one of the more famous of anyone in this group the rest are just people off the street right but so clearly at least from what it looks like watching that show he like you said he's a bit more not like i'm not gonna go as far as say like introverted or something but just like he's he's perfectly fine to not be the center of attention and to not like push himself into the spotlight so to speak so i could see that fitting with what you just said about his strength is in his wrestling ability and not so much his like charismatic or ability to to make very like high stakes high drama promos and stuff yeah you know um uh alberto el patron Mm -hmm. who interfered he was actually he used to be in wwe as well oh no way he was actually pushed pretty hard in WWE. He was because uh, he's Mexican. And WWE have this thing where... I'm sure you've heard of Rey Mysterio. Yes. Yeah, everyone's heard of Rey Mysterio. He was I, like, I can't tell you what he looks like. Like, no, no image comes to my yeah. brain, but I've heard the name. Uh, well, basically, he was sort of like the biggest Mexican star that WWE ever had. Okay. And since he left WWE, they have always just try and replicate the success they had with him so at any one point wwe will just have one mexican <laughs> star that they try to push oh like literally just one they only ever have one at a time and oh it's hilarious uh, and at one point uh alberto el patron was like their one mexican star that they were pushing trying to sort of recreate the success they had with Rey mysterio although he was sort of like a failed experiment which is why he left and you know yeah i think one of the other big uh like notes i have that i wrote like all in capital letters it's like stop fighting near the fans every time there's there's we always it seems lately there's been a match of some element where just my stage manager risk assess like liability brain just freaks out and they're literally like if Johnny ducked, then Puma would have been punching a fan in the head. They were, like, touching, like, I'm sure, I'm sure to God, or, or like, some girl probably has Johnny Mundo's sweat all over her shirt, because there were a bunch of girls there, and she's never washing it again. Like, they were right there, right up close and personal, and the commentator's even laughing about it, like, oh, better be careful, you guys might want to move. I'm like, what if one of them punches one of them out? Like, unconscious, these are just, like, civilians. Wrestlers, like, know how to take hits. Like, even though, like, because they can't fake all of them. Some of them, it's like, no, you just learn to to absorb blows. Not these people. And the whole time, I was just so stressed and just waiting for them to leave. Yeah. And I was like, it's can we please go elsewhere? The reason we've seen it so much, the last ones, is because we've been watching Indies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, Whereas, like, Lucha Underground, for the record, isn't technically Indie. Because they are on a TV network. I was going to say. they have the backing of a TV network. But they're small. So we called them an indie, even though they're not technically an indie. Okay. You know what I mean? Like They're just so small, they're negligible. Like, yeah. Negligible. Um, but yeah, in indies, you get this stuff a lot, lot more than you do in like New Japan or WWE. Because WWE and New Japan, are, you know, they've got so much awareness and, you know, they get so many views and stuff like that that they have to play things a bit more corporate. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Um, I really want to know if anyone's ever tried to, like, sue or take action against any of these indie wrestling things, if anyone ever did get injured by uh, one of the wrestlers have, or something. People have definitely been injured, but the thing about it is, generally, obviously, the people who go to them are fans. You know what I mean? Like, and they love that stuff. Like, wrestling fans love it when the wrestlers, like, actually fight in the crowd and stuff like that, and love getting involved and stuff like that. But there have definitely been accidents where fans have gotten injured and generally i don't know about any like lawsuits that have happened because of it but generally like when it has happened the companies go out of their way to make it up to the fans like the fan like they will send them stuff like while they're in hospital all the wrestlers will go and visit oh well that's all well and and good but if i get a permanent like brain injury except they're like oh great i'm thankful for these gifts i got at my hospital bed it's like i'm obsessed and like diehard uh harry potter fan like the first time i went to the wizarding world in orlando florida i cried like openly wept at the doors of hogwarts i'm i'm obsessed and i'm very aware i'm still gonna sue the fuck out of universal if like the person doesn't buckle me into the the ride properly going through hogwarts and i fall out of it and like land on one of the like giant spiders or some shit and like break my leg like for me, it doesn't matter how much I love the thing, if they are negligent enough that I went to go wa- watch something and had a reasonable expectation of safety, and then that's broken, I don't give a crap how much I love the thing that injured me. T- suing their ass. Yeah. Especially if you live in the States, you have to pay for your health care. I, like. I, was, I was going to say, right, this is, uh, I might get flat for this, but I feel that's a very American attitude toward things is i'm canadian sue, so huh. sue everything sue all the things like it, over here in the uk lawsuits don't happen like nobody sues anyway it doesn't even enter your mind like if something happens your mind does not go to i'm gonna sue them you know what i mean it just doesn't like it doesn't happen but i like i hear it all the time in like you know the us and Canada. like you know just lawsuits seem such a like the word sue them just comes up so often in conversation compared to like how often it ever does in the UK? Like I never yeah. hear the word, I never hear the term "sudum" in the UK. It just never ever comes up in conversation. But whenever I speak to Americans, like, oh, she'd sudum, like <laughs> straight away, <laughs> it's like the first thing that comes up. Yeah, like I like as a Canadian, I'm far less litigious than most of my like American family because I do have some family in the states on my mom's side, but still, like maybe. Depending on where things, if I if it happened to me in Canada, maybe I'd be less likely to sue because again, Canada, I'm not gonna have a medical bill that cost that makes me like have to mortgage my house be to pay for it, you know. But if you're going to the states to watch a wrestling match because that's where they happen, like and that happens, and then I have to pay for the the healthcare at the nearest hospital there, like I'm gonna be even more mad because then it's like, oh, here's anywhere from like a ten to fifty. To like seventy thousand dollar hospital bill, depending on the severity of yeah. your injury, how long you were there, the drugs, the oh time, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I, I totally would. If I was I'm in like, America, I don't have that I, money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if I was in America and I got the medical bill, I would totally sue as well. But if I was like in the UK or Canada and my I didn't get a medical bill, I would totally be okay with just the wrestlers coming and visit me in hospital. <laughs> I would be totally cool with that. I would be like, yeah, that's fine. I don't need any monetary compensation. Yeah, yeah, if it was something that would just, like, heal. Like, you know, a broken arm. Oh, well, I have a cast for yeah, a few yeah. weeks. That sucks. I, I, then, I yeah, I'd be fine with that. Weeks, but if but it's, like, something that will... Keep forever. Like, yeah, if it would forever impact my life. Like, it's like, oh, you got... And, like, I know this is not 
very likely. But in the rare scenario, it's like they happen to punch you. Like, say in that match, Prince Puma goes to punch Johnny. Johnny ducks. You're the fan who is right behind him. You get a full force punch to your face. And maybe uh, you have, like, a weaker bone structure than the average person. So you got, like, a, you managed to get some mild, like, brain injury just from the impact of, like, skull-hitting brain. That's going to impact you the rest of your life. Like, so I tried but yeah, like, if it was a smaller a quick, injury. I tried to do a quick Google search. And I found one little instant where a woman got injured in 2000 and then in 2011 had to get knee surgery and decided to sue the WWE 11 years later. Okay, that's a bit obscene. Like, if it was a crime, statute of limitations would already be up on that. And, And obviously, as is always the case, I found a ton of articles about her suing them, and then no follow-up articles on how it actually went. Well, because Because I'm sure the case was thrown out. Yeah, I'm sure they were like, no, I'm sorry, lady. Like, Yeah, so that's all I could find. When you try to look up about people suing the WWE or, like, you know, wrestlers, like, getting sued and stuff, at the moment, all the articles, like, Google is just full of articles about the WWE getting sued by former wrestlers because that's a really big deal at the moment. So it's hard to find anything other than that. That just, like, filled my Google feed, basically. Because basically what that is, uh, just to make you aware of it, is that um, a bunch of ex-WWE wrestlers are suing the WWE for, like, brain damage and, you know, um, CBT and stuff like that because of how negligent the WWE used to be about its wrestlers' health. Nowadays, like like we've been discussing, is that, that, you know, chair shots to the head never, ever happen you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they don't do bleeding anymore. Like, they've, they're they much more safety conscious now than they ever used to be. But, you know, they didn't used to be. So their ex-wrestlers are, like, suing them for being so negligent about it. For sure. Well, yeah. Like I said, I didn't think it was actually something that was likely to happen, or maybe it ever happened before, but it only takes one time for one person to get severely injured. <laughs> Also, my, the other part that made me chuckle during this match, I liked when Johnny was doing his whole, I'm just going to run out the clock and try and run around and play tag. And then probably goes over to the commentators. He's like, what? No, no, you can't hide here. And they have to like, take their headsets off and leave because they don't want to be near. Because they have sense. The fans are like right up there. The minute Puma and Johnny are at the commentator's table, they put their shit down and they're backing away. They're like, nope, like, I'm not being a casualty. I like how when, when they were in the fans, there was a moment where Puma actually had to like move some fans out of the way. Yeah, don't just be like, yo, guys, move. Yeah, exactly. But again, it just goes to show it's not like it's a dumb idea if you're the fan to stay there and not get out of the way. When even the commentators, the minute the, and they know potentially know how it's going to end, the wrestlers come up to them and they're like, "Shit, back up, run away, <laughs> get out of the way, we're gonna die." But it did make me laugh some of the wording they were saying, and they were because they, they either they're very good actors or they were genuinely like annoyed, like get away, no, shoo, <laughs> and it was pretty funny. So, um, one thing I feel like we talked a bit about, but like um, I just talk about about Morris. Like, what did you actually think of this in the sense, like, in the way that it was more TV show esque? Like, did you pick up on like? You know, because it was what I mentioned about what made Lucha Underground unique was how much more it was like, it was like a TV show about wrestling more than like an actual wrestling show. Like, did you pick up on that? And did you like, what did you think of that? Like, with the camera work and the 
on last week's episode and like the <laughs> intro like credits and stuff on like at the end yeah the i the really his names and stuff yeah i really liked that i thought that made me more like th- that would have made me a bit more invested because it added a little bit of structure to it which i liked and also because they did that even though i'm complaining about how like the props and other elements made it feel over the top i definitely was willing to forgive a lot more because since this is framed like a tv show then it's like the storytelling the drama and some of the ridiculousness goes with that because no like tv show plot is like you know normal they're all much more dramatic than everyday life whereas like wwe the other wrestling stuff it's set up like you're watching a sporting event like the way it's filmed the way the production value goes into it not a tv show so if it wasn't like as i was for about the good halfway through this event it was gonna be hitting around like four stars for me until the ending just became too over the top even with what i was willing to give them considering it was structured a lot more like a TV show or like some sort of really cool soap opera almost. All right. Yeah. I figured you might like it Um, because Lucha Underground, when I first discovered it, I really loved it for those exact same reasons. I loved it. It was like proper sort of TV show, you know, that actually had like, you know, I, I loved how it was like all filmed and everything like that and how, it had like backstage moments with the wrestlers and stuff like that, and it had like history, like footage for them and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I felt like the pacing was really good too because of the, yeah. the it being more of a TV show structure and like where the commercial breaks would have been placed. And because like when they first said, "All right, these guys have an hour," I literally I wrote in the rabbit chat. He was like, "Wait, an hour?" I was like, "Oh God, do we have to watch the whole hour?" But then I was like, "Oh no, okay." They like there's editing that's been done. We don't ha- okay. This is cool, and I was I was okay with it. Yeah, so I I always loved that, but um, Lucha Underground gets a lot of sort of flack these days because some of its storylines have gone very weird, very weird. Like, <laughs> like I was like, what? like it's, uh, there's a lot of like cult stuff and like supernatural stuff going on, and people coming back from the dead and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh wow, that's full on soap opera. <laughs> yeah, it gets a bit. There's, there's actually there's a great bit, and you're gonna love this. Is you know they talked about the owner of Lucha Underground, Dario Cueto. In the current storylines, he like died or something, and his brother has come to take over Lucha Underground, and it's the same actor. <laughs> they literally got oh the same God. guy to play his brother, <laughs> which is I, I, I can't tell whether that's genius or idiotic. That's kind of funny. It's that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, it gets a bit of, like, flack for how, like, ridiculous its, like, storylines are and stuff, but the actual, like, idea of it, like, the sort of TV show rather than a sporting event or whatever is cool. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I very much can get behind the TV show structure, for sure. Um, any final thoughts on it? Uh, I think that's everything major let me just double check my notes but yeah no we covered yeah player three has entered the game this is ps was what i wrote when el patron new challenger approaches i know right um no that's pretty much pretty much everything 2.5 you liked the um 
camera work, you liked that it was like TV show style, you liked the recap of last week's episode. Yeah, and I liked you... the the type of wrestling, like the, the yeah. scoring of pinfalls versus just like one. The last like man one... standing match yeah. stipulation. And also you thought it started out really well, but what you didn't like was like the third person getting involved. Um, you didn't like the... Excessive use of props. Yeah, excessive use of props and a lot of just the going out into fans and getting out of the ring and climbing up stuff and yeah the only time i liked the getting out of the ring was when johnny was specifically doing it to run down the clock and like it was a tactic directly related to like winning and that made sense to me and i thought it was smart i'm like that's genius that is a slytherin move right there i've just realized one note of mine that we didn't go over and this is just a uh, something that bugged me is um you know, in the early parts of the match, Johnny Mundo kept, like, working on Ricochet's arm? Yes. And then it never really, like, became relevant. Like, it never came back up. It was oh, just yeah. a the match. Oh, yeah. I-, I don't mind that. I don't mind, like, if he works over a body part and then, like, sort of abandons that strategy and leaves it. You know, like, tries other stuff. I yeah. don't mind that. What bugged me was the commentators kept bringing it back up. They kept going, like... He was working on the arm earlier. Maybe that'll become important. And it never did. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's okay if you work over a part and then it's not going to play into the story. But stop bringing it back up all the time. Like, stop reminding us that that's the thing if it's not actually going to be relevant. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> so it seems like the the one one of the areas we, just the two of us, majorly, I'm not going to say disagree, but like have different thoughts are the commentators. Because I... For the most part, really, other than that one comment about the cheating, which would be like, well, where's the line? What's the cheating that's fine and what's the cheating that's not fine? For the most part, I really liked these commentators. Oh, I, I liked them. It's just small thing. Like, I've never liked the idea of heel commentators, but we've discussed that already. Yeah. So that wasn't unique to these guys. That's just overall, I don't like heel commentators. Um, okay. And then this was a very minor thing. Like, it wasn't enough to make me dislike them or anything. I, I, I like these commentators as well. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't get why you'd keep bringing something up that clearly is not playing into, like, the story. Like, why keep highlighting it if it's not going to actually be relevant? Yeah. It just, it seemed like a bit of, like, lack of coordination between the wrestlers and commentators. You know what I mean? Like, the commentators clearly thought that that was going to be irrelevant, and then the wrestlers were just like, no, we had no plan for that. (laughs) So, normally, like, um commentators before a match will have like some semblance of what's gonna you know happen yeah like they at least know what the pinfalls are gonna be if nothing else you know what i mean and like maybe some of the big spots so it just seemed like a bit of like say lack of coordination maybe or just yeah it just it just bugged me that they kept bringing it back up when it wasn't going to be relevant because it just seems it seemed to be like highlighting like you know I don't know, it's, it's drawing your attention to the wrong thing. You know what Agreed. I mean? It's yeah, drawing yeah, no, your I attention agree. to something that's not actually important at all. And that, that is a very, That's a very minor minor complaint, though. That's not important. Yeah. Like, it's not a big complaint at all. I just thought I'd mention it because I had it in my notes. Um, oh, there was one more thing. Again, a very small thing in my notes. Those pants must be so uncomfortable. Like, Johnny was wearing leather pants. I just kept thinking the episode of Friends where Ross buys the leather pants and then, like, has to take them off because he's just so goddamn hot. And he was just sitting on a couch. Can't he, I cannot imagine wrestling in leather pants. 
Yeah. Oh my I god, I would have died. So like extra props to Johnny for <laughs> surviving in leather pants. Um, so next week, next no next. Why do I always say next week? What is wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> next I think I've episode. done that every episode so far. <laughs> I'm giving people false expectations. No, uh, <laughs> next episode, which is every two weeks, not every week. I'll get into my own head eventually. Every two weeks. Um, we will be doing CMLL, which is Mexican wrestling. It wasn't this proper, Mexican wrestling? Proper lucha. Oh, um, God. <laughs> so, lucha underground is sort of a weird one because it is meant to be like lucha, and it, like a lot of its storylines are based on lucha, and a lot of like its matchy stuff is lucha based. Like, it's clearly, you know, taken a lot of inspiration from lucha. But the wrestling isn't always lucha. It's much more like sort of American indie style wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? So thematically, it takes a lot of lucha inspiration, but the actual wrestling in it isn't necessarily, you know. Okay, lucha. okay. Got it. Whereas CMLL is going to be full on lucha. So, yeah, that's what we'll do next. I, I don't know a match yet. I'll have to, you know, work out which match we're going to watch. Um, but yeah, we will be watching CMLL. Okay, cool. So, any final words? Uh, no, I'm just intrigued and wary to see what makes this the next one even more <laughs> authentically Mexican wrestling. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, tune in in two weeks time, guys, for CMLL. Mexican Lucha. Um, in the meantime, if you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at MAM Wrestling. We have a website which is makingamark.wixsite. Uh, let me check that real quick. <laughs> makingamark.wixsite.com. There we go. Got there eventually. And on the website, there is also an email address. If you ever have questions or maybe you want to recommend a match for us to watch, like if we eventually get enough emails, we could maybe do an episode that is just like Q&A or like listener requested stuff. But then I'm sure that'll be a ways off. Yeah, we're always open to, you know, feedback, suggestions, questions, comments. You can send us to them. Um, we have a contact form on the webpage you can fill in, and that'll just send your feedback to us. We also have the email address on the website, which is um, makingamarkwrestling at gmail.com. You can send stuff to that. Or if you want to contact me or Laura personally, you can do so on our personal Twitters. Mine is yep. Hanzo Kurosawa, and Laura's is Laura K483. Yep. And that's all for us for now. So thank you for listening, and take care. See you next episode.